It's appropriate that Johnny Nash's last album before leaving for Jamaica to form J.A.D. Records is called Composer's Choice. This collection of songs feels like the product of the album's producer and composer more than they do Nash himself. That's been true of basically every Johnny Nash album we've looked at so far, but in this case, that composer is King Fleming of the King Fleming Trio, and you can't really complain. While Composer's Choice is another collection of jazz and show tune standards, they aren't mere showcases for Nash's voice. Rather, Fleming deploys Nash's perfect voice as another instrument for his complex arrangements. In these songs, Nash trades licks with strings and a flute, giving even quiet numbers a sense of playful tension. The result is something far more compelling than anything Nash has been a part of so far. The production is rich, the arrangements are surprising, and the compositions are varied. It truly feels like the culmination of Nash's early period before he discovers his defining reggae sounds. Will Composer's Choice make us wish that Nash stayed on the mainland and continued in this vein? Or are we glad that he left the country to go hang out with Bob Marley? Find out on this episode of So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank, a podcast about the film Gross Point Blank. Here on the show, I am Joe George, and with me is Blake Collier, and Blake and I like to dig into every aspect of the film, and so we're taking a look at Johnny Nash's discography, and today we're looking at Composer's Choice. Now, as that intro uh, suggested, I like this album a lot, but so far we have not been terribly kind to Nash's uh, jazzier albums, so... Blake, is this Stockholm Syndrome sticking in for me, or did you like this album as well? So, yeah, no, I, I definitely enjoyed this album quite a bit. Matter of fact, I up to this point, it may be my favorite. I don't know as much about uh, the, the the composer here as, as it sounds like you do, but I will say the thing that makes me love this album so much is the rawness uh, of the yep. recordings. yep. It, it's almost like they literally took the the filters away and they said yep. just sing just just sing along with the music we're gonna record it and that's gonna be good enough and it really is and, and it's tell like you can almost tell that it's it sounds like a full studio recording with very yep. little production yep it kind of makes you wonder how many takes uh, yeah. went into this album because yeah that rawness doesn't come out of nowhere. Like it, yep. you can't just yep. do that in one take. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. the fact that like that, that was the one thing I noticed as I was listening to this and what kind of sets it apart from the other albums to this point is I started playing this and I was like, okay, these are similar kind of music, but there's a definite difference here. There, there's yep. something going on here and, and I can hear the cracks and I can hear yep. the, 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 the imperfections of his voice. Yeah. Uh, as, as he's singing 
and it makes it all the better because it feels raw it feels like it's coming from from deep down like from actually his heart like basically he's starting to get out of that cage that the, yes. that the studio execs have put him in and so yeah. <clears throat> yeah i i can't say much more positive things about this album so yeah yeah. Yeah. So we should note this is for Argo Records. It's the only one he cut for them. So he's not with ABC Paramount anymore. He's an individual. And I think I think that all goes everything that you noted comes down to the to, to King Fleming, the, the producer and composer with this, because we had complained before that his earlier records as great as his voice is, they felt like a white dude's bland approximation of jazz. Yeah. King Fleming is is black. And but to to avoid I'm not trying to suggest any sort of essentialism, but he he's a jazz player. Mm-hmm. He's an actual jazz artist, and there's a level of verisimilitude here yeah. that it doesn't feel like somebody faking anymore. Exactly, and that and that comes through with the whole thing. These are proper jazz arrangements that we're hearing here. Mm-hmm. This is an actual song, and I think as I kind of hinted to in my intro there, that really plays out in the way that Nash's voice is deployed. He's no longer carrying the entire track. He is part of the track. Um, And so we get these almost like duels where he'll throw out a line and then the the piano will respond or the flute will respond. And it is, this is an exciting record to me. I mean, not just because I had listened, I listened to kind of all these right in a row and I listened to, a couple of doll records and now we get to this yeah it's exciting just because there, there's there's dynamism it's it's interesting compose uh compositions there's well i'm, I'm talking too much uh uh <laughs> what what is it how did i mean you talked about nash's voice sounding um more raw here what else about the instrumentation jumped out at you did, did anything so i mean so uh, as someone who who has a a enjoyment of jazz but not a full knowledge of jazz it is noticeable that there like like you were saying there's there's an element where you can tell when someone is acting like they are composing jazz and when they Mm -hmm. actually are doing jazz yeah because voices are meant to be another instrument that's that's what they're supposed to do that's the whole point and like you said and like like I've I've said already, his voice they let it just be an instrument, and they didn't they didn't bring the the music back. They didn't subsume his voice. They they all the, the production is very much there, and 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 when he wants to be heard, like he he commands, yeah, attention. And so yeah. uh, when the music wants to be heard, it commands your attention. And so. Yeah. It's that push and pull of the way music should be done. Yeah, is this push and pull of music and lyric. Yeah, and if you have a really good group of musicians and a really good singer, and you just let it happen naturally, even if it takes forty-two thousand times, <laughs> like each one of those recordings is going to give something new. Yeah, I mean, if you if you went back and you listened to all the tracks that they recorded for this album you'd probably hear differing versions or differing uh, variations mm-hmm. on each of these tunes, depending mm-hmm. on what the people were feeling at the time that they recorded it. And yep. so that's the beauty of, of, of jazz, in my opinion, is that it's never going to be the same. Yeah. There's going to be so Always much momentary. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a feeling based music. And, yep. and so the fact that they were able to basically take 12 moments in this recording session and put yeah. it to tape is 
is kind of beautiful. Yeah. And it kind of there there's a moment there towards by the end of this this album when you're like maybe I would have liked him to maybe stick around at least a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, yep. Because now I can see what he can actually do. Yeah. It feels like he's starting to express himself finally. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's yeah. the key is that it's up to this point he's felt boxed in. Yeah. And he's never allowed to let his voice go beyond a certain point. Yep. If anything, the music will subsume it, but he doesn't get to command attention. Uh, and, and it's, it's both, it's a metaphor and it's a reality. Yeah. He's not, yeah. he's not able to command attention uh, until someone allows him that. And so yeah. the fact that he's, he's working with a true jazz player yeah. says a lot about mm-hmm how he understands music and how he understands composition and how he understands uh Nash's voice. Yep. Absolutely. You know, the 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 song that really I mean, I I was almost immediately like, oh, this is this is something special. This is different. Yeah. Um you can tell as soon as those drums kick in and they're they're mic'd totally different. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's more of that shuffle uh, uh, uh brush shuffle that's that we've not heard so far. But the one that really kind of seal, seals it for me is uh the tracks The Smoke Gets in Your Eyes yeah. because Brilliant. it's a slow crooner song which has been my least favorite version of his songs. Yeah. But there's he's pushing himself in the vocal. Like it's a different type of vocal. It's 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 more restrained and there's a little bit more vibrato at the end than we usually get with him, yeah. but it's not restrained in the same way. Like I can only work within these ways. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a sense of him holding back for the right moment so that he can, at least in the, in the lyrics, accentuate those strings, which are kind of rolling back to him. Um, it's a, it's an acrobatic vocal performance that I've just, not seen him before and at this point if if somebody were to listen to these episodes of the way that we're recording them which is to say all the nash episodes right in a row they would probably get a little bored with hearing us say his voice is great his voice yeah. is great and that's not changed but now it's now we see him doing something with that great voice that he's not done yeah. before you, you can actually feel him challenging himself and it's it's so exciting uh, i started writing down my favorite tracks on here and there were so many <laughs> no doubt that I, that I followed in here so then, what, which which one stuff for you oh, go, ahead. So, go ahead so so there's there's i mean there's songs if you just look at the lyrics themselves they're they're kind of cheesy i mean oh, yeah. as far as the 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 uh the content uh, going yeah. in here but but this is where jazz sells even the cheesiest lyrics is that you can put if you can find the proper feeling to put into the songs the, yeah. the proper lightness or the proper yeah. humor or, or whatever yeah. it may be, you can sell any lyric you want. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. the, like the, the, the song inchworm <laughs> on the surface, if I was just looking at the lyrics on like a genius.com, I'd be yeah. like, what in the world is this? <laughs> this is, this is stupid, but you hear yeah. it and you're like, no, like, yes, I think they recognize the cheesiness yeah. of it. But that doesn't make it a, a, a pointless song. They say, yeah, we can their music can be joyful. It can be yeah. fun, yep. y- you know, humorous. And and so let's bring that into the to the instrumentation. And and I think like what you're saying with his the the kind of restraining himself is that it's not a it's not a production restraint. It's him recognizing that the music calls for restraint. 
That's exactly in that moment. Right. And and that's yeah. the key. Yeah. And, and you can see it all over the place. Like the music allows him to let go occasionally. Yeah. It opens itself up to it and it says, yep. give us what you got. You know, yeah. as, as Bob Seger says, give him the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> quoting the poet laureate of Michigan, Mr. Texas. Uh, that's not, that, that, that's our guy. Yeah, that's because he's a good writer. Yes, <laughs> he's our poet laureate. He's our favorite son. So same clown posse. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's the fact that it requires someone to understand all the components of a song, and yeah. and and once you get that, then then even the cheesiest songs can come alive and actually yep. be. I I really like the intro. I think it's a fun song. Cheesy <laughs> as it may be, like I was listening to it, I was like, this puts me in an automatically good mood. Like this is yeah. just this is this is the way this music should be. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. There's in and, and, and kind of along those lines, one thing I loved about these were I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, conversant enough with actual music theory to know if this was what it was, but oh, the, these d- dynamic changes where I don't know if it was a full on key change, but a song would be starting out at one, at least one time signature and then would pause and switch to a totally mm-hmm. different one. You know, yep. we've got, we've got this mid tempo song. You know, this happens f- several times. Come to me, baby, you know, starts out all chilled out and then it, it hits this really weird rhythm in the middle and then goes back again. Always has this, th- th- that nice jazz guitar, which yeah. I don't know that we've gotten that before. And it almost feels like a, like, like his reggae songs where he's going later on and he's doing this bouncy vocal arrangement over mm-hmm. the top so great oh the piano and speak low another yes, one that starts speak up low in some way changes to a totally different type of song what's going on with these <laughs> it's so good yeah yeah and it, it, it kind of makes you wonder because this is this is the type of album that if it can't had come out in the last 20 years you can guarantee that he would have started a band yeah uh with these guys and they would have gone out on tour yeah. and this would have been just his his like this would have been Johnny Nash and you know the Whalers. What's for, for yeah. instance, you know, <laughs> and or, or or whatever it might have been. And so, and can you imagine the experimentation they could have done if he'd stuck with these guys? As far as like the the differing types of of music yeah. they could have they could have explored. Because at this point, like yes, it's still early '60s, but you're starting to get into the late '60s and '70s, and that's when music starts to shift. That's when yep. that that kind of uh, seething underneath uh, underground elements of of music kind of start coming to the to the surface, and yeah. you get a lot of resistance and you get a lot of of differing styles and things like that. And Johnny Nash and it sounds like King Fleming both would have been on that level and would have recognized yeah. those those underground elements and probably worked that into uh, continuous albums from here on out. It would have yeah. been fascinating. See, I'm I'm not sure that's a alternate universe i would have wanted for him per se yeah because i just don't know how it (laughs) turned out but yeah but he really ultimately he doesn't have a whole lot to lose because he's known for one song yeah well that's that's true which is unfortunate and that's the one of the things that we're we're coming to find out is as much as we talk about his voice and these you know various albums that that really capture us he's ultimately not known except for that one song and this this is is this one of these is there a song on here that you think should deserves to be 
on that level, or you could imagine if things were slightly different, um, would be as well known as I can see clearly now? Well, I think so on this album, I, there are there at least three or four that I would have picked as possible singles that would have, I feel yeah. deserved, uh, the same attention, to be honest, the one that would have fit the best within the, the time period, I think would have been speak low. I think it yeah. would have fit really well because it's still, yeah. it still has that, that, um, that crooning aspect, yep. mm-hmm. but it gives the listener something new to play around with, yep. to listen to. And so I don't know why it wouldn't have become a single. It, it <laughs> might have just been the uh, the record execs not seeing it in the cards or or what. But yeah, like that. And I think it's I think Smoke Gets in Your Eyes is one of the best versions of that song I've ever heard. So, yep. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't think Argo quite had the 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 push that yeah. ABC Paramount would have had. You yeah. know. So I, I gotta wonder that some of these were probably pushed to singles and just <laughs> couldn't grease the right uh, palms the same. Yep. And I. I don't know. You're right that they're within that vein of what was popular at the time, but they're not as they're not as simple and as immediately no. understandable. No. I, I mean, 20 seconds into those other tracks, you get what they are, it, yep. even if you like it. I know what the song is. These 20 seconds in, it's going to change and yeah. it's going to be something different mm-hmm. after that. And so I don't see any of these tracks hitting quite the level of popularity that I can yeah. see clearly now. But they definitely deserve attention among a certain crowd. And at least now that his legacy is more or less crystallized, these are nice counterpoints yes, to what he's are. really known as. I mean, I, I, I think I can say I, I'm glad I prefer the, the reggae-ish stuff that he's, he goes on to do. But this this needs to be right up there as far as this was him as well. Yeah, for sure. And he was really, really good at this, you know. Well, and this is the high point of his early career. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I don't think you're going to get much better than this as far as this this type of music uh, before he moves on to to uh, moving to Jamaica and, and yeah. going with rock steady reggae. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think do you think this is him closing a shop and being like, I'm done with this? I've got nothing more to do in this genre. Yeah. So I'm going on. I think so. Yeah, I, I think he's he's saying, let's actually do this right. Uh, yeah. And then I've lost interest. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna do something else and, and see where it goes and because even at this point he's he hasn't become the black Frank Sinatra like he yeah. he's not getting the the, the acknowledgement that he he deserved yeah. at this point so yeah why not try something different you know why yeah. not move on to something um and I mean at that point you're not losing anything so yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we 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 both keep referencing Sinatra, but it occurs to me that, you know, Paul Anka was probably the better analogy since he was a t- uh, uh, teen heartthrob and and Nash was at least initially positioned as teen heartthrob. This is not teen no. heartthrob music, no. right? You get the sense there that he is <laughs> he's tired of. He's tired of the faux jazz that they had him doing yeah. to kind of be that be that artist and is like, I'm going to do jazz jazz. And, you know, let's let's try that. Yeah. And I wonder if partially again, it's pure speculation, but I wonder if this was less I'm closing up shop on 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 jazz music and more saying the world, the musical world is wide and. I'm going to follow my muse. And so yeah. I've done some jazz now. Let's see what's next. And yeah. those series of events that we speculated on before that lead him to Jamaica, 
he's already got the door open for I want to do musical experimentation. And I say that because when we look at his discography at large, we talked about this in the intro episode. He 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 doesn't stay in reggae either. No, he bounces all around to all of my prog rock and a little bit of country feeling and mm-hmm. 80s soul and that sort of stuff. And so he is an experimenter. And yeah. so you get this might be the start of that, of yeah. him realizing, recognizing what the ABC Paramount uh, uh, records told him, which is that you're really good in any genre and him going like, OK, well, I want the genre to match my my voice and now I'm going to take it off from here. Yeah. Well, and if if you think about it, it's I just now recognized it. But as we were talking about it and and talking about especially this this idea of weariness. Yeah. Not only does that match his voice on this album because of that roughness, that quality that's that's that yeah. live uh, studio you know production does for it. But if you look at the cover, it's his face and it's half dark, half light. Like really. And, and so so there's this idea that like yeah, this is. You That's recognize right. this face, but yeah. you don't know the other side of it. And so yeah. I, while I hate the uh, multicolored Johnny Nash title on it <laughs> uh, and the pink back background, that yeah. his face, it looks tired. He looks weary yeah. and he looks like he's ready to, to break out. And I think on some level, and I would say this was probably the case if I this is speculation ultimately, but I would say for a lot of black artists at this time period who are trying to break out, they probably got to the point where they were like, I've done my part in trying to cross over to white audiences. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. time for them to cross over to me. Yeah. And so um, I feel like this is, this is him recognizing that this is yeah. that transition album in the sense that he's like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to do my yeah. own thing. And if, if you like it, great, but I'm not going to count on you. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I don't know that there's any more to say after that. I think that's a perfect encapsulation. Yeah. I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about as far as, uh, no, I, I just can't heap enough praise on this album. I, I think yeah. it's, if, you know, at, at the end of our exploration of, of his albums, like it'll, it'll definitely be a high point. Yep. It'll be, and I would, I would be surprised if it doesn't uh, make the top five, uh, yeah. From my yep, personal, I would my personal think taste, in the same so. way. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested in, in Nash's early career, I say just go straight to composer's choice. Yep. It's, it's not entirely indicative of everything that he did there, but it is the best of what he did yeah. in these first few albums. I've listened, and, I've uh, listened to this and the gospel album. And oh, the gospel album good, too. That's going to be a yeah, good, sure. that's going to be a good picture of, of what he can yeah. do. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's, that's really all I've got. Is there anything else you want to talk about with this? I don't think so. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. Sweet. So that's all for this episode of So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. If you've been enjoying listening to us dive into all of these aspects of the movie uh, Gross Point Blank, then be sure to head over to whatever podcatcher you use and subscribe. Uh, If you don't mind going over to whatever Apple is calling their current podcast platform, giving us a, a good review if you liked it. That would sure help a lot. And if you uh, know somebody else who loves this film as much as we do, maybe pass it along to them. And if you don't know anybody who loves this film, then they clearly haven't seen the film. So show them the film, then give them the podcast. There you go. And remember, this podcast is us breathing. Thank you for listening to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank, part of the Film Inquiry Podcast Network. If you like what we do, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. Every bit of feedback gives us the ability to expand our audience. Our podcast theme was created by Yawns. 
You can find his music and other projects at yonsofficial.com. Our podcast intro music was New Soul by Ketza. Our podcast outro music was created by Jeff Hansen. Our podcast artwork was created by Jeff Wyrick. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SoGrossPod and on Twitter and Instagram at SoGrossPod as well. Remember, gross with an E. And you can find Blake on Twitter at Lost in Osmosis and Joe at J.A. George II spelled I-I. Hey, bing, 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 bang. Popcorn. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>